Once I rose above the noise and confusion Just to get a glimpse beyond this illusion In brightest day, in blackest night All other podcasts tremble in fright Losers cower before the power Oranges lust and blues you can trust Indigos feel and white ones heal Yellow scare and green ones dare That sapphire love and black hands glove Will rock your foundation without hesitation Jim and Marge face evil's mind Hi everyone, I'm Mark Marble. And I'm Jim Ford. And this is the Lantern Cast, episode 409. What's the rest, Jim? <laughs> uh, pre-birth light. Pre-birth light, indeed. Otherwise known as our first gr- Green Lantern, our first, our first Lantern Cast pre-birth crossover episode, even though, of course, we're doing all of it, so. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but technically speaking, it, it, it's the first kind of like dipping or dipping your feet in both pools at the same time. That that is a very very good way to put it. Yes. Yeah, because like you know this had that same. I mean, like first off, it's like a modern issue, and you know it ties into like the current Green Lantern season, but it had the exact same amount of disappointment as reading the Spectre series. <laughs> I don't. Well, I think we're gonna we're gonna have similar disagreements on some of this. Oh, and by the way, because this will, be, even though we didn't really put that in the intro, it will be in the title of this episode somewhere. That yes, we're doing what well, the topic for this evening is the Green Lantern season two number seven. So if you've actually read that issue, which we're going to assume at this point, if you're listening to this that you have, then you probably have an then you probably have an idea of why. This episode kind of crosses over into both a regular Lantern Cast episode and wa- into our spinoff re- related to Hal's time as the Spectre, since this is very Spectre-heavy and directly references Hal's time as the spirit of redemption um, and vengeance. So that's the yes. reason why we've... And now, to give some credit, and it's only some credit, <laughs> now Chad actually suggested this. <laughs> no, he openly admitted it was self-serving because they got him off the hook for having to do an ep- another Morrison episode. <laughs> but once I, but that was bef- he mentioned it before this issue came out. So once I read the issue, it was like, okay, I can kind of see it more because I did not necessarily know if Hal's appearance, the way we saw him at the end of issue uh, six, was going to directly relate to anything other than the fact that hey, he kind of looks like he did when he was the Spectre. But now we know, you know that that's not by co- that's not a coincidence. And then once you see how this issue ebbs and flows, and how how Hal deals with certain things, it is very Spectre-like, which which from my perspective, I I appreciate it. So <laughs> maybe not <laughs> Jim, maybe not so much, but I appreciated it. What? What happened? No, I'm I'm just I'm flipping through again. And I'm just kind of wondering what those like. There's so many just like giant green arrows. 
Oh, you mean like in the be- like almost on the beginning, like the, when they're talking about the Ultra War, like when? Yes. Yeah, it's almost as if like the I guess the second page. There's a green arrow, almost like a play button. Yep. <laughs> and then on the second, no, the, I guess that's the was it the third page? Yeah, the third page. It's uh, like an arrow up and an arrow down. Maybe it's supposed to be like those uh, power battery pyramids from uh, <laughs> from Relics World. <laughs> um, oh, could so, be. So I, uh, I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it too. But then again, hey, it's uh, you're right. He 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 is conveniently ignoring most of the stuff that's not Silver Age and relatively obscure. Even though we will have to give credit full credit where credits due. This is this is. This is, again, the first time he's kind of waded into some of the stuff that many Green Lantern fans, at least partially, many Green Lantern fans really, really know well from, from the John's Venditti era, that he kind of oh, acknowledges yeah. this stuff even, even existed and does some unique ties to it. And then, obviously, just a throw-in to the DeMatteis run uh, of, you know, and just Hal's time as the Spectre in general, which obviously began and ended with John's, and DeMatteis was kind of the one who wrote the bulk of the material but john's did john's did the beginning and the end and occasional some things in between so uh so i'm gonna i'm gonna do the recap on this this is while this is kind of i like this issue so let me start off by saying this might be my favorite issue if not in the entire morrison run it's certainly my favorite issue of the season (laughs) wow but but that's i know it's not really saying much on one level i mean no I, i mean i think that is saying a lot well I know, but I haven't exactly been the biggest champion of this book, let alone the, this season. But that being said, it's not to say that you don't get a whole lot of the headbanging aspects of Morrison in this book. It's just it's just wrapped up in a, it's it's wrapped up on a cosmic level that I kind of appreciate. And much like a lot of the other Morrison stuff, and almost like the book in a nutshell. By the time the issue ends, almost everything that happens in this book on the surface is irrelevant <laughs> until it comes back again. <laughs> Yeah. But but I digest. All right, so let's uh, <laughs> so let's uh, so let's roll into this. There's a lot of exposition. I will read some when necessary, but I'm not going to go heavy into this when I can avoid it. It does. We begin with the young guardians, kind of like waxing poetic here about um, the nature of the universe, and they do a whole lot of ba- they're all about balance. These the young guardians are really all about balance and as we get more descriptions and they talk more it's a little it's a different perspective than the the old guardians had the, the old guardians were more concerned about keeping order and they definitely had a system of of what was acceptable what was not acceptable these guys are a lot more like well we we're not really sure everything almost everything has a legitimate perspective everything has a right to exist so we're not going to rush the judgment about what's right or wrong what needs to be corrected etc but they do the interesting thing on the first page besides their initial rambling is they talk about the first prime light is fractured through a prismatic cosmos and there for the first time i think in the entire the entire morrison run we have some panels which reflect that prism being split or the light going through the prism which reveals the emotional spectrum and I like the way they reveal the faces, you know, like like these kind of like more modified like young guardian faces in a way about about the um, reflecting what the each light in the emotional spectrum. Uh, yeah, most of them are good. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they're also like kind of like kabuki masks in a way too. To be fair, but it but they do reflect you know the these the seven the seven cores that existed before. Of course, we got to the black and and the white. Um, 
and then they start then they start really going into not that it makes them more understandable well a little bit more understandable they talk about what the ultra war basically is about and how at, at the end of the day the ultra war is pretty much everything against everything so you're talking about you know world against world empire versus empire uh, neighbor against neighbor but it breaks and as we find out, self against self, but it also breaks down to even molecule against molecule and atom versus atom. So basically, until everything everything is destroyed and reduced to ash, and there's not any, supposedly there won't be any building blocks, even the, the most basic building blocks of matter left. And they're talking to Hal about all this, because if we remember the last issue of the Morrison run, <laughs> Hal died again. <laughs> <laughs> And, and Hal's listening to all this, and it's like, uh, well, that, that's, that, that sounds like that like, sounds like a hell of a show. So, but where do I fit in in all this crap? And why am I wearing a cape? So we kind of see him wearing a very specter-like cape, even though he's still wearing more of a base Green Lantern uniform, color scheme-wise, than he than he did when he was the Spectre. And one of the young one of the young Guardians directly refers to his time as the Spectre, saying, "Upstream of your time flow, you wore this spirit suit to enact justice from beyond the limits of life and death. Here, downstream, again, this balancing act, and the underlife, it's fitting for your new mission. Plus, who else can judge the divided but a divided man? Which is a fair description of Hal, based on things we've seen about <laughs> Hal and his uh, with his track record. And I would say so. That's that. And Hal, you know, Hal's." You know, Hal's pretty straightforward here. It's like, hey, you know, it's like, uh, I'll do, I'll pretty much do anything you want, but there's something I want you to do for me. I want you to basically to rescue the people that were dying, that he, that were left dying on Sector General when Hal bought the farm in the last, ep- uh, last issue. And we, and we see what Alakwa cradling Lantern True is pretty much everything is about to go to hell completely. And a very Spectre like panel with Hal reaching out his hand, trying to basically cradle Sector General. But Hal can't really do anything because as we find as we find out in this this afterlife or this death lantern, as they refer to him, role that he's in, which is an interesting concept, that his willpower basically can't manifest itself. That he's able to do things, but he but his strong will basically on on certain levels is completely nullified and unimportant. And I, and I know I like the fact they reference this, knowing that hey, if Hal could actually had the willpower with just the general abilities they just gave him, he could do a lot of crap they didn't want him to do. Yeah. Uh, like Jim and I just joked about zero hour two, baby, but in a positive <laughs> way. Uh, so yeah, so Hal's kind of like reaching out for Sector General. It's not, uh, and you know he's kind of he's kind of pleading his case about everything, and it's like uh, about you know why they should help, but also the fact that they're, they're kind of chastising him for getting killed. It's like, hey, we told you, and we told you not to take on Hyperman with, you know, you know, you know, without your power ring, and Hal said, you know, but I had to, blah, 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 and it's like, eh, we don't really care. It's like, uh, we will do what is necessary, very Guardian-like, and it's like, uh, and they decide one of us will disconnect, basically, to be your guide on this mission. <laughs> not that the, this young Guardian really wants to be <laughs> on this <laughs> mission, has a really sad looking sad sad looking face as this young guardian essentially becomes the Abin Sir to Hal's not quite Spectre. So I, I liked I liked that. Now we get typical Morrison going back to Planet Ugo and Sector Zero Zero Zero. This is what this is that's the Stan Lee Green Lantern, right? Uh yes. It yes is. it is. With another star sapphire. This part's interesting that that they're dealing with uh they have this 
this false lantern that they pretty much fa- found on Earth-51. He starts spouting off an oath, which I'm not going to bother recycling here. <laughs> they call him the False Knight, the Mad Knight, and he pretty much hasn't moved since they got him, but all of a sudden he basically springs to life. And he starts talking about war across all wavelengths. Multi-crisis has begun. It wakes. The Nomad Empire returns, which sounds real thrilling, I must admit. <laughs> Not. It's like, they come! <laughs> now we go, we cut back to the main story with Hal and, and, and the Guardian. And this is where the Guardian, again, the young Guardian kind of explains their way of looking at things about, you know, uh, we, you know, we, like we, as they say, we fully need, we, we understand we, till we understand fully the needs of the active non-living. We have no right to judge. And I, I do like Hal's like, really? You're telling me you'd side with the zombies during Blackest Night? Yeah. And that's when he, the guardian, you know, the guardian does try to explain the difference. You know, it's like uh, how the guardians were anti-entropic and everything about was about decay and fight, putting off entropy. But you know what? Again, back to the whole balance idea. What you know? What essentially is the universe without without balance? You need these things. What is you know, you need you need you know you need decay. You need all these things to have a fully balanced system. And how you know talks about you know what about the antimatter core and what they did. And it's like a it's it's to a certain extent a lot of guardian mumbo jumbo kicked up to a Morrison level about. And they mentioned they do mention Krona and how you know there was a symmetry basically after what Krona did. There was less antimatter than matter than matter, and it takes more energy. It costs more to make things happen in the basically the reverse overse as they call it. Not a great name. Yeah. Uh, they, the, guard, the Guardian and Hal find some ectotech ghost armor. Nice name. <laughs> um, who are you going to call? Hal, Jordan. Uh, and we find a little bit more about why the Guardians really, the young Guardians like Hal. I like this line. It's like, we young Guardians are born knowing everything but understanding nothing. That's a good Guardian line, too. And Hal's unpredictability intrigues them. Now we have the, the second reference to the emotional spectrum in this story, which is which is kind of which is interesting. I don't know how relevant it is, but I also am not overly tied to a lot of these chicks. Yeah. But they basically they go through the I guess supposedly this I guess represents even though Arisia got boned on this I guess. That the, uh, <laughs> well, she got boned on this and yeah. not and uh, maybe something else. <laughs> yeah. That we see base we see basically the the emotional spectrum again represented by the great loves of Hal Jordan's life or the romances of his life. So we have Olivia is rage, Joan is greed, Jill it's that's cowgirl, right? It's fear. Yes, yes. Carol is green, Eve is hope, Doreen is compassion, compassion. and Kari is love. Yeah. Um, they call and they refer to again his the diversity the in Hal's personality, pilot, salesman, warrior, lover, all these complex relationships, and they admit that they're kind of confused. They're kind of confused by this and by his random nature. Um, they do show uh, Al- Alakwa there, Alagua, uh, again, holding on to Lantern True. Um, now we get arguably one of the more interesting parts of this book, where you have the you see all the all the old guardians basically beating the crap out of each other. And uh, basically, the old—it's like the old guardians are, are have fallen—is what you know the young guardian said. And you know, yeah, Hal's like trying to figure out what the hell's going on here, and he's trying to get involved. And we find one of the guardians, and this is another nuance in the in the Morrison run, which, which we haven't gotten, which is at least even though they have all looked alike, the old guardians, at least we we actually get a name, a, a name we recognize that it's Raimi, and it's like. Uh, uh, 
Hal's trying to rescue Raimi, and he goes, to, you know, Jordan, you have to charge the ring. Charge the ring at the Cosmic Grail, which is like this big, kind of like warped-looking central power battery behind where the Guardians are fighting. Hal, you know, Hal, this is nuts, which is, yeah, it is. But Hal does exactly yeah. what he says. He recharges his ring, uh, reciting the Green Lantern Oath. And then, you know, as he's doing this, it's like, Jordan, it's too late. They found you. And we see basically the, the divided, which basically it represents all the different all the different roles and aspects of Hal, you know, that we've ever seen and roles that he's played, parts of his personality. And Hal makes a relatively quick assessment very specter like of him that you know this old this is the ultra war me against me the thing is i'm out at war with my contradictions you know, my mistakes you know i pretty much i've worked all that out a while ago it's like there's always an easier way to do this and then another really specter like panel he just kind of you know he kind of rises above everything just shat, you know, basically turns all these all these other selves into like these crystal like things and shatters them and it's like you need to understand all, all the roles i've been you know you know i'm all i'm like i'm all of this i'm a core it's like I'm not divided. And they take they take Raimi's body, which is the only one they take, right? Raimi's the only Raimi's body is the only one they take. I I guess so. That's what it looks like. Um, I didn't realize that they took. Yeah, I guess they yeah, did. Yeah, they are because ho- I mean I didn't notice. That. To be honest, I didn't notice that at first either until you see all the, the young guardians are hovering around around him. Um, yeah, and then you know. Hal just kind of says, hey, I did what you asked. It's like, now you know what it means to be a Green Lantern. It means to do right by everyone and, and everything. Protect the vulnerable from the bullies. Defend creativity, imagination, and dignity. Do unto others as they would be done to you, and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, and if you can't do that, you don't deserve to be police. And it's like, uh, and they go, interesting. This will be taken into account. We plan to restructure <laughs> the core to prepare for what is coming. You will serve as our death lantern. <laughs> I was like, uh, what do you mean? I don't think so. And it's like, well, you died on you died in Sector General, you don't have much of a choice. And it's like uh it's like you really thought you could keep me here, keep me out of trouble in the underlife where here's the thing, you're too young to understand how the universe works. And you're too old to realize it can change. A lot of deep this is a deep issue, man. <laughs> that's that's why it is very very spectre like. Uh whether it all works yeah. or not is another story. And it's like uh, how and how realizes this is where he kind of gets the last laugh, arguably short term on the Guardians, because he points out it's like, hey, you know, I'm dead, but hey, remember nanosurgeons, because Hal had the nanosurgeons; they were inside him working at, working to repair the damage in the last issue. So basically, Hal was Hal Hal's dead, or Hal was dead, but he got better. <laughs> He yeah. wasn't dead for he wasn't dead for too long. He wasn't dead beyond the point that hey, they could you know hook up a car battery to him and jumpstart him. So basically, uh, they you know they re- the nanosurgeons can repair any damage within you know two hours. They were working on me when I quote unquote died. So I guess you can ma- I guess you can make the assertion Hal wasn't truly dead. Maybe he was like in a you know he was he was he was hovering. He was hovering on hovering on that fine line. Yeah, and, out, of, out of body experience. Yeah, out of body experience. And the young guardian's like, hey, you know, if you return, you're going to forget everything you've learned. He, which again is specter light because Hal, as time went on, basically forgot everything that yeah. he did as the specter. He remembered being the specter, but his what he did while he was the specter was all a mystery to him. It's like you'll attack the antiverse with no memory. You must not engage. You blah blah. blah. Hal kind of wakes up, um, and then uh, basically. You know, Hal, Hal rescues uh, everybody at uh, Sector General. We get the planet Hippocrates, appropriately named, uh, must, as a medical planet. Uh, Alakwa is being healed, even though she suffered severe burns. 
and you know Hal basically is thanking her for you know you save Lantern True's life and it's like I'm a nurse it's my job and Hal's Hal being Hal goes you know they killed innocent people nobody else needs to do this I'm on my way to the reverse reverse to kick some antimatter ass <laughs> and the young guardians are like ah it's out of our control now all we can do is prepare for the end we cut to Quard the antimatter universe and the Weaponer headquarters and a lot of the uh, the antimatter lanterns that were that were that were appeared last issue, including the one that basically got ripped apart. Uh, and the ones that got damaged have all been pretty much repaired. And you know the the Weaponer Six 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 has basically been uh it's kind of been read read the riot act and kind of punished by the uh, di- the, the sector dictator Kuala. Yeah. Another great name. Uh, he basically was punished and realized it was wrong to go into the to take a revenge squad into the Matterverse and everything else. And it's like it was wrong. All is well. Wrong is right. And Quard prevails. Prevails internal. Next issue: War with the Anti World. And we see Hal leading a bunch of Green Lanterns, as, as we assume, to head into the Antimatter universe to deal with these suckers. And that's it. That's issue seven of season two. Yes. What you think, Jim? <sighs> Um. <laughs> my, okay, so it's it's very um, I don't know metaphysical. Yeah, I mean it's very dense. Um, but I did say that when like after I had been finished reading it, like I just had a sense that I enjoyed it to some extent. You know, like. Not that I really love the issue, but, you know, like, you you walk away from an issue and you have some kind of sense of, like, okay, well, that was really good or that was bad or I didn't really like that or that was mildly entertaining. This was at least mildly entertaining. Um, although, when you asked me if I wanted to do the recap, I was thinking about it. I'm like, wait a second. Did anything actually happen in this issue? And I mean, like, technically, yes, like you know some things happened but it was so like metaphysical and you know like there was so much like um i don't know like uh, i don't want to do liam sharp a disservice by saying it was talking head type stuff but you know it's basically just hal jordan and this guardian you know having a conversation about you know life and afterlife and blah 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 and and the artwork was really good but um I don't know, like, it didn't really seem like very much happened in this issue. Almost like, I don't know, this is set up for, oh, I guess it would be. This is number seven. (sighs) This was setting up the next trade. Probably, yes. Okay. Probably. So, yeah, so then, yeah, this is basically, like, they're, you know, I guess what Morrison is doing is... He's starting off this trade with, like, little blips about all of the Green Lantern stuff and setting up a bunch of different things that are going to happen in the next couple of issues. Uh, and that's what this is. This is the, the, the initial setup. So I guess when you look at it like that, it makes a little bit more sense. The One of the interesting things, and I don't know that we'll ever see this revisited again, but the emotional spectrum... Uh, it said that it was, you know, um, fractured through the prismatic cosmos, but it's fractured from the fundamental powers, which is like kind of like red, yellow and blue and black. So, you know, like I'm kind of wondering if like they will ever revisit that in terms of like are those powers that can be tapped into 
You know, like, is yellow actually gold? Is blue actually, you know, some kind of, I don't know, other shade of blue or something like that? And they're all, like, fundamentally more powerful. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. Um, but that, that, that was, you know, that was at least somewhat new. Out of all the faces that they, you know, they split the colors into, I think they do a really good job with, all of them except for compassion. Yeah, because you can barely see it. Yeah, blue is you know hope is it's it's decent. I mean, I think if you're gonna do hope, like it's gonna be difficult to begin with. But that's a pretty good pretty good face for hope. Uh, willpower, obviously, you know you have to just be straight face. And and love is pretty good. But yeah, compassion's really the only one that's kind of lacking there. I agree. It was just nice that we actually got more than and more than one actual reference to the emotional spectrum, which has been a com- complete. Not that he refers to it as an, as the emotional spectrum, but it's still the only reference we've really gotten in like like over two years. I mean, almost two years of Morrison doing this book. Um, I do wonder what that green arrow. I, I, I the, the triangle, green triangles. I feel like that means something that we're just not smart enough to pick up. Because it's like, it's basically exactly like a play button. Yes. Um, I'm not, yeah, I'm not, in, I'm not entirely, yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure if, it, if, if there is, there pro- you're, you're correct, there probably is deeper meaning to it. But in the context of, of, of not, without knowing it, the only context seems to be to fo- focus our attention on their description of what the Ultra War is and then just have the, as, the title of the issue technically is Ultra Warrior, which is in the bottom triangle. So, as if as it points directly to and is and is above Hal's head, as Hal makes his end, his first uh, appearance in this in this yeah. issue. Yeah. I, I I mean I I really like you know I'm of course now there's nowhere to go but down for me, <laughs> but I <laughs> I really I really like this episode uh, issue. I hope, I hope they like the episode too. I really like the issue that. I think it was it was a nice touch. It was more than I. I mean, obviously, when we first saw the images of Hal in this suit, that for most for the people who have read Green Lantern and read certainly read Hal for a while, they knew it kind of did look very very Spectre like. But we didn't necessarily know it was going to absolutely tie into his appearance, tying directly into his time as the Spectre. But now, but we, but it did. So I think that was that was a plus. The fact that in a way he was he was doing spectre-like things and dealing with spectre-like problems. Yeah. Um, so I I, I I I liked that. I liked the idea of how, like it just like in in that book. And if in case you haven't listened to our pre-birth, this this is our shameless plug. Listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> we talk about. If, if this is, if some of the themes in this issue intrigued you, or you like some of the concepts being thrown out there, a lot of this, a lot of things along this line, just without all the multiversity garbage of Grant Morrison, but a lot of a lot of those themes of duality and divided nature and 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 accepting who you are and, and accepting the whole, all all of you makes up the whole. So it's not like so rejecting one part of you is, is really ultimately doesn't really work. That. A lot of those themes were dealt with in the in the Spectre series uh, that we cover in, in Pre-Birth. So, but I, I did like that. I th- I thought it's kind of in a way it's kind of cool to know that Hal that it's like 
It's like, you can take Hal out of the Spectre, but <laughs> you can't take the Spectre out of Hal. It's good to know that it, it's, it's cool in a way because it still references why he was a good host. Why at the end of the day he was he was able to do some of the things that he did, even though there is a nuance here because of, because they because of the little added bonus they throw in. It's like oh, it's about his willpower not really being a factor here. Whether it's true or not, or it's just guardian speak to try to make him believe that the reality is that I like that was that's a variation because obviously we know Hal's willpower as the Spectre was incredibly strong, which is why he yeah. was able to make it the Spirit of Redemption for the majority of his time as the Spectre and not the Spirit of Vengeance. He was able to tame the logos, the essence of the Spectre, basically, and make and <laughs> and uh, do what needed what he wanted he wanted to seek redemption. He wanted to achieve redemption by helping other people get their redemption. Guiding them to redemption eventually Hal was hoping to find his own. So I, I but but I actually, to be, I know honestly the parts that I liked least about this issue was the stuff with the with the Quardians and that thing and mo- actually that's most of what I didn't like I didn't really like the stuff. <laughs> I didn't really like all that much when we when we go back to the Stan Lee Lantern other than the fact that I am kind of intrigued by the False Lantern the Mad Knight that was kind of intriguing uh, and the Oath was kind of intriguing um, yeah well what you call it that's um that's a throwback to I guess season one. Right. Yeah, right. so, like, that whole multiverse sequence, like, was... I think it was, it was like, fake. It was all fake. It was just a dream, right? Now, is this supposed to be the, the, the golden giant from that? Yes, yeah, that's yeah, definitely that's the gold... Yeah, because I know they refer to Zunder now. He claimed to be the gold lantern in season one. And, like, he was the one, I guess, that was... What do you call it? Um... Searching for protecting the the cosmic grail. Yes, I, that sounds correct. And they called him a false lantern, but now, yeah, the false lantern, the Mad Knight. Like now that the cosmic grail actually does exist, because after the whole um, Black Star miniseries and Hal Jordan like made a wish to make everything right again. Now all of a sudden that stuff actually does exist. So the cosmic grail obviously does exist, and we see it in this issue. How Jordan recharges his ring from it, and we see the Mad Knight here also, who is reciting his oath. I don't know. Um, talks about the Nomad Empire returns. I'm not really sure what that's uh, what that's about. Yeah, I don't either. And I got to be honest, by the name of it, it doesn't sound overly thrilling to me it could be fine but it's kind of, it's kind of like you know the uh the empire of tears or the spider spider guild it just it's one of those just by name alone it's like oh boy <laughs> it could be okay but the name does the name doesn't the name doesn't thrill you um we probably should have mentioned how you know how it gets its power ring back um that it was that it was restored basically they it was, which we know it made in the last issue. They referenced the fact that basically they had a medical ward for non-living things too, and Hal's ring was being repaired. So we just assume that, almost basically, almost like nanosurgeons on his ring, kind of put his ring back, his ring back together. Uh, I actually do like the fact that Hal, Hal does actually look more spectre-like in that, on that one page when he turns all the his former, like when he dispatches all his former selves and everything. Well, what you call it, if you if you look, like, yeah, that's one of the things that I really did like about this issue was how uh, Liam Sharp, like, 
he he will change his art style from panel to panel depending on what you know he's trying to convey so like if you look at all the you know the the panels for Hal Jordan divided fighting amongst themselves each one is in a different art style that you know is reminiscent of something from the past right um you know and the the last panel you know in that multi one is like very much like the um the dark and gritty from the you know spectra series and then you know the um the one where he's like you know decrystallizing everybody and destroying them that's the, like the more superhero uh, heroic uh version of Hal from that series and with a with the paler face too almost a white face yes absolutely so i i I really did enjoy that. That was nice, nice little touch. I'm not really sure who that Hal Jordan is with the orange helmet. Um, I don't need to know. Yeah, I. I <laughs> yeah, that I, is true. I mean, I, I think I'm trying. I, I feel like I know that. I know that, but off the top of my head, um. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I like it. It doesn't. It doesn't make my reading enjoyment any worse, and knowing about that probably would make it a little worse because it's just so ugly. Yeah, I agree. Um, probably, probably, probably the best one is you know the classic Gray Temple Hal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but as far as as far as issues in this series go, I. I have no idea whether you know the uh, you know the Ultra War and and this crisis is going to be anything of interest. Uh, probably not. Was it Ultra Crisis? Is that what it is? Or no, no, it's Ultra Ultra War. What is what is what is the name? Of, what is the crisis? The Multi Crisis or the Mega Crisis? Uh, I'll find it in a second. I know we re- I know I know we referenced it uh, in this in this episode, but we know we know it's we know it's the Ultra. Yeah, we know they we. Re- they reference the ultra, the ultra war, and then it, and then it comes down to. Uh, I think it's at the end they reference it because when they talk about how we have to just have to prepare. So whenever the guard, uh, nope, that's not in that panel. Um, but um, but either the way, the thing that yeah, I mean I, the thing that I don't really like is how like you've got the anti-verse, you've got the the reverse-overse. You've got the uh, the underlife. It's like it's like he's going out of his way to like use like just different terms that we have no you know we have no connection to. And I mean, knowing Grant Morrison, maybe he's pulling these out of like you know comics from fifty years ago. But I mean, like if they haven't persevered through DC Comics, then like maybe like try and adapt some of the more modern concepts you know like like really they could have called it the afterlife they didn't need to call it the underlife, underlife. <laughs> you know uh what you call it? like you know the reverse overse yeah that, like, that sounds that's that's that sounds stupid that sounds like it's like a, a variation like on a kid's toy or something you know like it's it's the antimatter universe like it says it in the next panel, it says, you know, Quard, the antimatter universe. That's where all this is taking place. So if it's the antimatter universe, why are you calling it the reverse overse? Like, it's not. I guess maybe it is, because that is where the crime syndicate comes from. But it, it does complicate things. 
Yeah, it just it it it, over, it overly complicates it. What was the other one? The reverse reverse and oh yeah, the the antiverse. You'll attack the antiverse with no memory. So is are these all the same thing? I think so. I, the I, antiverse. I, 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 that's what I think. Yes. Like like then you're going you're just going out of your way to confuse people. You're going to the next overse. <laughs> yeah. The three verse over. Um, yeah. Quadriverse. It was, it was multi-crisis. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I think there are some, yeah, there are some things in this that still don't really resonate uh, with me personally. I do, I, I do like that we get a little bit more insight into the Young Guardians and how they are definitely trying to differentiate between their view on things and and the typical Guardians. Even though, as I joked with you, it's kind of on one level. There, there are certain elements that just run through because they're guardians, and it's like as Hal referred to them in Emerald Twilight. Once, like once impotent shams, always impotent shams. <laughs> it's like that. The old guardians were just so used to having other people do things for them that they just didn't really act anymore. And then these guardians seem like they just they have to wait till the that they are unwilling to act until they 100% absolutely know. Well, maybe this, maybe this side has more validity than the other. <laughs> Fifty-one, forty-nine percent. Okay, now we'll get involved. Uh, <laughs> but that, so I do, I do like, I do like they're trying to flesh out the the young guardians, the young guardians a little bit more. I think it is confusing about what they did with the old guardians, especially since again, Raimi's the only one that we see being rescued. But yet, you know, before before everything that happens after how you know recharges the uh, central pa- his ring at the holy, the cosmic grail. That the, you know, the other guardians are still alive. They're just beating the crap out of each other, and then there's like an explosion, and then all of a sudden, again. So we, I know they say the old guardians have fallen, which doesn't mean they're dead. Fallen can just just mean defeated. That it seems odd. I mean, certainly, I mean, if I was picking, I mean, I, I guess from a techn- technological perspective, if you were going to have one guardian survive, <laughs> Raimi would have some validity. But obviously, <laughs> Ganthet and Sade would be the ones we'd be, we'd be the most attached to. Did they go? I think all the old guardians went. I don't know. I'm pretty sure every single old guardian went, and the and the young guardians were left behind. So, <clears throat> I mean, unless they specifically named Ganthet and Sade, but they never um, named any of them until now. I think I think this ref I, I believe this reference to Raimi is the only name. I think it's the only named reference we've gotten to any of the guardians since the series started. In fact, especially since they're all drawn to look exactly alike, which was really annoying. Yeah. Um, so in that case, I would suspect that that Ganthet and Sade are still still around, just doing their own thing. I, I, I would suspect they weren't. They were all together, but I just would suspect they're not dead. Um, yeah. I mean, you're not. Well, gonna... I, I mean, you know, like if it's not if it's not explicitly said that they died, then they could come back. <laughs> and even if it was, but yes, yeah, but, but, yeah. but but you're but you're right. I mean, sometimes, but as as we know with Hal himself, I mean, off off panel death sometimes surprisingly stick around longer because Hal's death in the final night was about as lame as you can get. Since it's not like anybody ever saw him die. <laughs> there were so many ways to explain that Hal wasn't really dead at the end of final night, but they just oh no, no he's dead. <laughs> just we know we know because of. The inner workings of DC, part of why they wanted to kill Hal, but I mean, but realistically as a character, it's like, oh, we lost communications with him. Uh, we read his mind. He's like, oh, that was it. <laughs> it's like, yeah. 
okay, right. <laughs> The, the guy who can, who literally can snap his fingers and stop time, which he did in that ep, in that issue, <laughs> he could he couldn't just turn off some people monitoring his brain activity. Uh, yeah, but good times. Uh, what you call it? Now, are we to believe that Hal Jordan couldn't interact with anything until he recharged from the cosmic grail? And that is what gave him the power to actually be able to interact with stuff. Uh, I I don't necessarily know if we're supposed to supposed to take it that way. I think I, that's what, but I think there's a lot of potential contradictions in, or ex- different explanations for what's going on in here. Uh, yeah. It may be anything that anything that has to do with this underlife and any where, wherever he is, that willpower is going to have no effect. Correction, outside of there. That willpower is going to have no effect. So, like when he wanted to affect things back in the in the in the regular plane of exist, existence, like he did with the Sector General, that he couldn't. You can make a case again that the Guardians were just feeding him crap, and that if he understood his, what his powers were, kind of like Hal as the Spectre too, and how you know Hal's powers as the Spectre changed, and he had his ability to do a bunch of things where you know he, he kind of like had to learn learn on, learn on the job and and and. Like he had to pass tests to get more and more of his power unlocked. So it's also possible, but like you were saying, though, that once Raimi had him recharged from the Cosmic Grail, that that enabled him to not just maybe not just be able to finally interact with stuff in the Underlife, but maybe theoretically, if he'd stayed the Death Lantern, maybe he would have had more more power. Um, so. But I don't, I don't think it's I don't think it's a clear cut explanation. Uh, but then again, it's Morrison. We wouldn't really expect one, would we? <laughs> okay, so now it looks like okay. So Hal Jordan obviously is in the underverse and he's dead. And uh, like they're walking along, they find broken ghost armor that is Guardian Ectotech. Which means that it's from the Guardians. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's um, pieces of their armor. So the the old Guardians are wearing Ectotech to, I guess, fight in the underworld. Or uh, is it un- under underlife? Underlife. Yeah. Why is the the Cosmic Grail in the underlife, or is the underlife running parallel with the regular universe? And the Cosmic Grail is somewhere. I don't know. I, I can't tell. If, I, it's impossible to know if the Cosmic Grail is in real life or death. I think that's a fair assessment. I think based. I think based on what <clears throat> based on what they're showing us, that you could interpret it two different ways. You could uh, interpret it where the Guardians themselves are in the Underlife, and that's where they're. That's where th- this mission that they went on has taken them. Even if that's not what. Even if that wasn't the focal point of their entire mission, that's where they were at the time, and that's why basically uh, how's the cavalry being sent in. Uh, but then again, that's kind of shaky. To, on any level, that's kind of shaky when you think about it. It's really good, really good coincidence, since the, unless the young guardians were just feeding Hal a lot of crap about you know you can't do this or you're going to die. You can't do this or you're going to die. Don't do this. Don't do this. Just by knowing it's Hal, so that means whatever you tell him, he's probably going to do the opposite anyway. Assuming he'll be, he'll die, so then they can send him in to do to do what it needs to be done. I think there's lots of there's lots of in, interpretations here about uh, I think what's going on uh, and why why the why the cosmic grail is where it is and and what Hal and, and what real like 
the ramifications of uh, Hal charging his ring at the whole, I mean, at the Cosmic Grail, what does that actually, I mean, is that going to have long, I guess you can make a case you shouldn't have long-term ramifications because technically the ring Hal was wearing when he died wasn't even his own. So you could make the case that the ring that he has back, that he, when this issue ends, he kind of has his, he has his regular ring back. So, but then again, he's dead. So, so why he would really shouldn't have any true power ring with him. Right. Whichever one he wore, it shouldn't really exist in, in another plane of existence. It's just symbolic. So, what does it really mean that he recharges? You know, is that is that while well, he's not supposed to remember anything that happened here, is there going to be some residual power that he has from 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 the cosmic grail? Some knowledge that'll come out that from well, the cosmic grail? Yeah, I mean, if he recharged from the cosmic grail in the afterlife, then whether or not he actually will retain any of that information down the road when he needs it or whatever we don't know but like that there is now at least a connection between Hal and the cosmic grail even if he doesn't know it correct so it could be in essence a recharging of his soul that will help him down the road that is true um or that could have been the thing that gave him the power to come back to life it could have been. It could have. It could have. The recharging of the ring, at least symbolically, yes, could have given him at least enough will. Hang on or fight a little bit harder while the nanosurgeons were just about to uh, restart the car. Um, right. So, um, one of the things about the new Guardians that I thought was kind of, I don't know. <sighs> mm. I can't I can't quite put my finger on it, but it was like just the fact that they have such a mastery over like life and death and time itself. Like these are not guardians. These are gods. You know? Like I mean, they are not the ones that are imbuing him with the Spectre powers, but they are like they're visiting him in the afterlife and they have moved him like they they've basically connected two points of his timeline like bypassing the middle um in some way that doesn't really make sense to us because we think linearly with time but they're outside of time and they can, you know, figure out how to do all that. I mean, like, that's so far beyond the Guardians, you know, level of what they can do that that makes them gods. So that's kind of like, I don't know, that's weird. That's very weird. Like, I understand that you want to give them a different point of view and perspective, which, I mean, that definitely comes out with the whole... Like, oh, well, we need to take into account the um, the feelings of the non-living. Like, you know, like, come on, like, seriously? Uh, but, yeah, I mean, like, the, the power set here for the new Guardians is just, like, n- like, ridiculously off the chart and not that believable. It is a stretch. I mean, I, I agree. I think, <clears throat> again... This is like one of the first issues we've really gotten much of an inkling on what what the young guardians were up, either up to and or 
their view on things. So maybe there's going to be maybe there's going to be a little bit more that will make some of it make sense. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, it's hard to know. It really is hard to know. Um, I I don't know what you call it. It'd be interesting if this uh, Zundernell dude ties into the Gold Lantern in the Legion book. It would be interesting. I don't know if, if we can really assume it will, but there's always a chance until we get more yeah. of a understanding of of all that and in the Legion stuff. There's always a possibility. Yeah. Um, what you call it? Yeah, so with the, uh, the women... <laughs> Would you put Jillian at fear? Not from well, didn't they? Didn't they touch upon me? Well, they kind of played up. I think that as didn't they play up that aspect when the series began because because they referred because she actually showed back up again. I think like oh. in the, I think she was in like the first issue of of the Green Lantern. So maybe, but before that, no. Are you going back to the yeah. Jeff Johns version of Cowgirl? No, I would. Yeah. But then again, I don't remember half of these chicks. Uh, <laughs> and, and I and I and of all in. And why? Why is Carol Will? Because she's because she's dead set in the middle, and she's the, and, and she's the most quote unquote arguably, which is laughable at times too, the stable one or the most in the middle one. Even though considering considering where her power is, it would kind of be hard for her to be in the middle when her natural lantern power is on the far end of one side of the spectrum. Uh, I I thought it was an interesting storytelling con- concept. I just don't. Yeah. Yeah. I. It's just. Now again, it's very self-serving since he's in, since we know what Olivia was a couple of issues ago. Yeah, and we know and Eve and Eve well, Eve was the one in the beginning with, with the with the hawk creatures, right? Eve was in that storyline. I think that was I Eve. I think so. I think so. And I which one was Joan? I don't remember. I, don't I actually don't remember Joan. I'm off the top of my head. Joan, Doreen, and Carrie mean aren't ringing a bell to me. Where I'm not, I'm going. And I'm not entirely sure if we've seen all of them in the Morrison run, though it's Morrison, so it wouldn't be surprising. Uh, yeah. But I only remember Olivia, Jill, Carol, and Eve. But it is interesting how they did they kind of they did that in the emotional spectrum, kind of divvying it up that way. Uh, which again may may have if it was if it wasn't Morrison doing the book, you would think if if you thought there were gonna, there was going to be more to the spec tying it into the spectrum, it might be a little more telling about. About Hal too, because of the fact that you have uh, that he had, that his all his women are you know basically repre- representing the entire emotional spectrum. <laughs> yes. That Hal Jordan though, uh, he gets around and he gets around in the emotional spectrum apparently. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yes, yes, it's uh, you know some some guys have a girl for every day of the week. He has one for every emotion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, oh, that picture of Carol doesn't even look like Carol. Yeah, yeah, no, that was some Indian chick he dated. Oh, That's whatever. what it looked like. Um, what do you think of uh, Hal Jordan defining what a policeman should be? Yeah, that was in, that was interesting. I know you and I kind of. <laughs> I, you, I know I, I know you have you have. You know, you have thoughts on that, but uh, I mean, even some of what he says just before that is not 
some of it makes sense. It's just just general yes, 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 not just you know propaganda, but it makes sense on any level. But then some of it's very unlike Hal. I mean, the defend creativity, imagination, and dignity. That doesn't really sound like Hal. Maybe the yeah. dignity part, but Hal, you know, Hal when it comes to creativity is not you know he's he's pretty low in the t- totem pole as the Green Lantern. <laughs> yeah. Will power at the top, creativity at the bottom. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I mean, like, like honestly, like the, those those two panels, the two panels, you know, I did what you asked. Now you want to know what it means to be a Green Lantern, and I know you read this before. I'm going to read it again. It means do right by everyone and everything, protect the vulnerable from bullies, defend creativity, imagination, and dignity, do unto others as they would be done. And step up when it's time to kick ass on behalf of those values. If you d- can't do that, you don't deserve to be police. Like, I mean, like, that is, like, 1,000%, like, um, we should probably put something in, like, a disclaimer, because we're really playing up the fact that we have a space cop. Like, I mean, like, the, the, the first season into the second season, like, they have been, like... Cop, 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 space cop, space cop, space cop. And now, you know, as uh, as time progresses, that that's like, I don't want to say problematic, but it is divisive right now. You know, you have some people that are def- definitely very much for and some people that are def- definitely very much against. And, you know, like here's Morrison trying to kind of redefine the term police. And I guess we'll see how far it gets them. <laughs> they just burned down Oa. Um. <laughs> I, again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that you. It's not much of a stretch to be to to read to read into that. Um, yeah. Based on what's going on, regardless of one's take on it, I think it's. I do think I do think. Uh, but on one level, at least, I mean, I like. Maybe because maybe if it's only because of the fact that yes he he from the very beginning before before this book even started we knew that it was a police procedural in space <laughs> yeah, yeah that because you had because you had you had put put all your eggs in the cop basket versus the soldier <laughs> army basket that now it's like now, now you got to live with it you know it's like now you got now you have to now you have to yeah. make it you know you have to justify yeah. that in some level. Um, so, but in a way, it's good because it's it's good because at least you're trying to acknowledge that, that there that there isn't not only just a need for it for police, but what police are supposed to be, and what yes. they're supposed to and what and what they're and what they're supposed to do. So it's not just saying oh, it's a, you know, it's not it's not like it's just a you know a, a hit piece making it sound like oh the Green Lantern Corps they suck because they're cops. You know, it's like we don't. We don't need their kind. We don't serve their kind in here. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, as far as d- digging below the surface, what you know, what they, what Morris and other people really think on the on the events of the day, if, if this if this is about as quote unquote heavy handed as it gets, I mean, I can I can kind of live with it. It's not. It wasn't. <laughs> it, it fits. It fits in the context of the. It fits in the context of this issue and the things that the things that they're dealing with. So I do think that I do think there's there's pluses there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, like I I, I get why it's there, um, and timing wise, I mean, like you know, 
you look at the lead time for writing a comic to when it gets published. I mean, like this, this makes a lot of sense, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's set up and it's, you know, it's put into the story in such a way that it's not, if you were reading this at any other point in time, I think it would probably go right under the radar as just Hal Jordan, you know, given the guardians, what for, you know, once again, but yeah, timing wise now in reality, like if you're reading this currently, then you know that it's, you know, pointedly referencing current events. So yeah. just wanted to mention no, that. No, I think, I think it's absolutely, I think it's absolutely worth mentioning. Um, so it's, yeah, I think just like, you know, just like, and just like we also, you and I talked about, it's also the idea, you know, of, of guardians being guardians, <laughs> the idea <laughs> of guardians just continually, remo- continually removing themselves from and not getting in, choosing not to get involved either because they think things are below them, which they kind of refer to in this because they're viewing things like on a macro level, pretty much. Yeah. That they're yeah. looking at the big, big, big picture, which means... You know things like all oh, this. You know, a, a, a nurse like cradling a dying Green Lantern, trying to protect him, as you know, the, the, the hospital ship is about to be destroyed, the space station is about to be destroyed. That oh, in the big picture, based on man, but the shit we're dealing with, this doesn't even register. <laughs> and Hal's the one saying, well, the point is that it should register. Yeah. So I mean, so it, it can work on multiple on multiple levels too, uh, and. You know, it's how and it's how dealing with the guardians. I mean, at the end, at the end of the day, based on the nature of that relationship, there's only going to be a certain amount of, of goodwill and just overall cohesiveness that's going to occur because Hal Hal is not a rule follower. He bucks the system, and while it serves a big purpose, at least in this book, the guardians have at least acknowledged that it does serve a purpose, and they realize that. So like when like in the first season when the when they sent when they sent Hal to do what you know when they sent Hal to do what he needed to do dealing with you know the, with with Mu and the, and the Black Stars and, and everything else that he was he was given that assignment because because of who he is and even even in this book they kind of reference that this issue the fact that uh you know, that Hal is uniquely suited for this task because of what he did in, what he did previously as the Spectre but also the the while the the traditional guardians would see Hal more as a pain in the ass because he would he would never obey orders and he would always buck the system, the mere fact that Hal is just so that there is an unpredictability at any given time to what Hal is going to do that sometimes he will follow the orders sometimes he won't sometimes you know he'll, he'll bend this but won't bend that the very unpredictability of Hal Jordan from moment to moment on some level is what intrigues you know these young guardians that they 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 find him fascinating and doesn't mean doesn't mean that he's any easier to work with <laughs> they just find him fascinating <laughs> you know lost opportunity here and i mean i'm kind of mad at at morrison for for not including it but if you have an entire issue dedicated to a death lantern where's baron <laughs> well yes but <laughs> like come on throw us a bone here <laughs> Throw us an axe. Um, what you call it? The one last thing that I kind of wanted to point out. Actually, you know what? I'll, I'll save that for last. And um, what you call it? Since you you kind of glossed over it a little, the whole you know dealing with the 
the Quardian universe, the antimatter universe with Quard. Basically, like they they yell at Weaponer six 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 for taking his matter into his own hands, you know, and what he did was wrong. And he says all is well because wrong is right and Quard prevails prevails eternal. So it's like they punished him for doing something that was wrong, which in its essence was, you know, commending him for doing something right. I, I just yeah, that's that, that was just just worth you know throwing in there. And then the fi- the very final thing. This is like way back in the uh, middle of the book. What you call it? Planet Ugo Sector Zero Zero Zero. The the Green Lantern created by Stan Lee. Yes. Yeah, that image where he's standing next to Star Sapphire, like you can't tell me that his shorts were not digitally added later on. <laughs> it's, like, it's like they wanted to be Doctor Manhattan so bad that they had to. Oh, we better put a diaper on him. Oh yeah, like one thousand percent. Like if you, I, I would bet money that if you look at the original art. <laughs> You'll see his power battery. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good times. Yeah. I mean, like I said, overall, like this was something that I walked away feeling, you know, happy I read. So. And that is a rarity these days. <laughs> yeah, far sector's always good. Well, I mean, you know what? You know what? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I mean, I was. It was a specific reference to. To how that that crazy nauseous feeling that <laughs> sometimes occurs after it's like there should be a disclaimer on the book. <laughs> this book may leave you feeling nauseous or queasy, uh, but this was to me to me this absolutely was if not the best issue one of the best issues during the whole Morrison run. Will it you know will it matter next next month when we end up dealing with the accordion shit, which probably means nothing to me. No, probably not. But it was. It was nice having the the reference to the Spectre, and it's nice. I mean, we've got it's not we've ha- obviously we know there's been acknowledgments that Hal was the Spectre. I mean, we we've seen we saw a reference we saw like a reference to what Helen, and we've seen things to, uh, and we know even in the Johns run clearly Johns not just because it, he was still the Spectre when Rebirth began, but we we know that you know the idea of what how being the Spectre had was not forgotten. It's not like oh let's forget it. No, but the fact that you know the guard you know the the young guardians you know they they acknowledge this. The fact that to the audience as a whole, it's like it they do such a direct tie-ins and some subtle tie-ins to that whole his time as. As the Spectre, I I, I I enjoyed that. I I thought I thought that was nice. And even though, as we know from doing the Spectre book, that that book definitely started going off the rails, probably at least halfway th- through its 27 issue run. That <laughs> there still were a lot of interesting ideas in there, and there were some good good stories, some good arcs in there, and obviously some good crossover issues with in other books, with uh, and other stories with Hal being the Spectre. So, I thought I th- it was it was a pleasant surprise, and maybe that's why it resonates with me so much. Is because it is because it was not really expected. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I thought that I thought I thought that was pretty nice. Yeah, it was good. 
a good issue. So anything you want to push? Not really. I suspected as much based on what we talked about earlier in the week, but I figured I'd, I would be remiss if I didn't offer. Um, all right, so let's we'll, we'll roll through the close. Uh, lanterncast.com. The email is lanterncast at gmail.com. Voicemail is 708 Lantern, so if you want to text us or leave us a voicemail, please do that. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, hashtag GLCast. Uh, you can find us on using that on either one of those platforms. And we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. So whichever platform you listen to us on, please leave us a positive review. And let's see, as far as, pre- as, far as you and I go, pre-birth, when we come back to the proper pre-birth, we'll be doing the Abin Sir issue, which which the audience will just love Jim's reaction, I'm sure, too. <laughs> <laughs> toy-wise, we should, we'll probably be doing a toy, uh, greatest toy podcast in the near future because there's a bunch of stuff that we've talked about doing and things that have come out and news, so we'll probably be doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, as far as the actual Chad and I part of the show... <laughs> Oh, yeah. We don't that. know what we're doing next. It's possible it might be a quote-unquote movie episode. Um, it all depends. But other than that, it, the good news is for Chad, and I guess for me too, is that it definitely won't be a Morrison episode since we just did one. <laughs> but other than that, hard to know. And God, three-quarters of this year is over with. And considering what a bad year it's been as a whole, that's good. But... Man, it's amazing we've gotten th- we've gotten like nine months of content out of this year. It's the way things are going. I I think we should all pat ourselves on the back. Really. We've still been putting you know, out like at least three episodes a three episodes a month. Um, what you going? You know, I, I'm just I'm just picking up on something, and I'm sure that everybody will have tuned out by now. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry, Mark. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> No, um, every you know every issue that starts off a trade is typically one that is more accessible by Morrison. Accessible in quotes, but I know what you mean. <laughs> yes, yeah, re- you know, relatively yes, yes. to the, to the rest. Of more, the, the Morrison dial down to five issue. Five. Yeah, level, it's you know, like the, the the first the first issue is like you know it's like okay. You know, like, you know, put your hands together, rum together. It's like, here we go, ready for a great ride. And, like, by the next issue, everything just goes completely off the rails and totally nuts. But, yeah, it, it happened. Um, the very first issue of the series was pretty straightforward for our season one. And issue seven was the um, the whole world inside the ring, which is kind of, you know... Um, insulated to itself kind of and accessible and then you know obviously you had the first issue of this season which was again somewhat somewhat accessible and now this one so um it's it's interesting that you know he is at least able to do that (laughs) because you know you just you just normally think that grant morrison is just gonna write whatever the hell grant morrison wants to write (laughs) But he is following some kind of, you know, trade formula. Just throw that out there. Either on his own or by edict, yes, he is. He's he's towing the line, at least on that level. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, which is appropriate because sometimes a lot of these episodes, a lot of these issues uh, end up uh, in the ditch. So you need somebody to tow you out. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and unfortunately, that when it comes to Chad and I, we ain't it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be Myron. Myron can pull pull you out of that ditch. I don't think Chad and I can do it very often. But I, look, I think you and I probably did it this did it this week. If we tried. Yeah, I, listen, that, like it, it was definitely um, it was a good issue, and uh, I mean, you know, I, I listened to uh, a, a good many of your reviews of these issues. And I think you do a pretty, pretty solid job. I mean, you're about as optimistic as you could be for somebody that isn't really totally thrilled with the material, you know? I think that's a fair assessment. I I think, not to criticize Chad, but that's your job. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, Chad straight sucks. (laughs) Not not to criticize Chad, but yes, he's definitely... well, I'm not really thrilled by this book, nor that I ever think I would be. I do – I have have not checked out as much as Chad has about this yeah. book. <laughs> <laughs> I still have hope. I still have hope that somehow, some way that maybe there's something that will make sense. That I'll actually enjoy something in the big picture in this, like a whole season or – like the final arc of a season, or when he when he rides off into the sunset, it's like it was like wow, you know, that, that wasn't half bad. And Chad will be, you're right, it was all bad. <laughs> uh, like a Stadler or Waldorf yes. thing. <laughs> uh, yes. Okie doke. All right, so good night, everybody. So long. A verdict is in No appeal on the docket today Just my home sin The walls cold and